will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, how can you drink? A miracle! Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Dolphin UK podcast. It is officially football week, so I hope you're all as excited as we are. Um, got a very good special guest coming up later uh, as well, who, who all of you Dolphins fans will be aware uh, is one of the main people on Dolphins Twitter, so look forward to speaking to him. Um, and before that, obviously I'm joined by my co-hosts Lee and Simon. How are we doing guys? We alright? Lee, you alright? Yeah, good, thanks. We finally made it to football week. It always seems such a long time from the last game of the season. Like, I enjoy the draft and free agency and stuff, but there's a definite relief when you get round to that to game week. That's it. It's like autumn's coming, isn't it, as well? So I don't know if you guys are fans, but, but autumn's my favourite season. Just get out and, and uh, yeah, just enjoy some nice long walks as the uh, as the new forest turns uh, orange down here. It's really nice. But, uh, yeah, Simon, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, you can tell football's getting close because it's also um, seemed to be in the middle of fantasy football draft season as well. So it's always a good indicator that football is just around the corner. That's it, that's it. And uh, yeah, so kick off with some camp news. We've probably got the uh, like the biggest week of the year in terms of uh, cuts and so forth. So um, yeah, Lee, kick us off, mate. Any, any kind of like surprises in the roster cuts or anything you didn't see coming at all? I'll be honest, I think if you've listened to us over the last few weeks, there's going to be nothing that surprises you too much. Um, I think, obviously, Josh Rosen is the big one. I think, um, as as you'll hear later in our, in our interview, it probably says more about the, the health of, of Tua and their comfortability with him, more than just the performance of Josh Rosen. Um, but outside of that, I think it's very much... As, as expected, it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next few days when um, waiver claims go in. We already know that um, a few have been processed, but just to see how things chop and change in the next few days. Yeah, Simon, any thoughts, mate? Any, anything from you that stood out? Yeah, nothing surprising specifically, but again, like Lee, I thought Josh, Josh Rosen, um, whilst it wasn't a surprise in itself, in the lead up to his release, they did talk about, I mean, Brian Flores mentioned in a presser that they'd been fielding trade calls for him. And if that was the case, then surely it would have been in their interest to have actually pulled the trigger on a trade and got something because ultimately now they've been left with nothing. So something is better than nothing. So it was kind of surprising um, that they didn't look to explore a trade in advance of his release a little bit more. Um, we've already said about it says a lot with regards to Tua's health and where he is at in the in the process of of being the definitive number two QB for now. And also the other thing to think about with Rosen is, uh, I mean, whilst it's clear it's just simply a, a trade for him that hasn't worked out for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, he's still on a rookie contract and he is still cheap. So would there have been any harm in him um, remaining on the roster? under that that contract I mean ultimately at the end of the day it's the quality of his play that has has been the overriding factor in the two parties moving on but just wondered if that was also at their back of their minds I think it's super interesting that you managed to negotiate a conditional seventh round pick with the Jets of all teams for someone like Caelan Bellage but couldn't get a single offer worth taking for for Josh Rosen I wonder if if perhaps it was a, a bit of a game and they were offered something late but in the AFC, 
and they they took the decision. Okay, well let's rather than put him in the division, not sorry, not in the division in the conference. We just put him out there and hope that he goes into the NFC. I'm just just pure speculation. I'm just trying to justify. It. I I can't imagine why you can get something for. Yeah. Like you say, for someone on a rookie deal and with, with at least some starting experience. Yeah, and I, I heard earlier that um, that while he was going through waivers, the kind of his agent was trying to put people up claiming him uh, on waivers just so he could kind of make his own mind up and, and go from there. And, um, I don't know whether that would have anything to do with uh, that kind of thing as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not that well clued up on how trades work properly. But yeah, I, I think just want to saying in kind of Rosen's defense we mentioned it before about how many offensive coordinators he's had over the course of his career I think he he's got to have landed in the best spot possible because the closest thing to him having the same coordinator is learning from someone who played in the same system for so many years like Tom Brady I don't think it could be a better spot and actually if you don't hear anything from him for two seasons he probably comes out of it a better quarterback yeah, for sure. And, and and as we as we do our interview later, the kind of news obviously broke that he's going to the Bucks, and uh, and it's uh, don't know, it, it's always, it's weird in in, in like uh, the NFL, isn't it? it? Doesn't feel like a local rivalry to speak of it like it would do in uh, in this country. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird to see him just landing just up the road, really. But uh, better for him than than landing on the Jags, I think. So yeah, uh, go on, sorry. Yeah, we've got a habit, haven't we, of um, having breaking waiver claims for former Dolphins players on our pod, haven't we? With, as we'll hear with, uh, with regards to Josh Rosen later, we also had it with Curtis Weaver, of course. So we've got a little bit of a habit there, haven't we? So after you kicked off the Weaver wire, mate, that's the, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. the big news there. But uh, obviously, we also had some, uh, some uh, incoming business uh, yesterday at the time of recording as well with uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. coming across from the... Raiders. Um, sorry, any, any thoughts on that? Obviously, a uh, rookie and third round rookie at that. So, um, feels a bit strange that the Raiders are giving up on him so early. But anything from you on that? Yeah, a couple of things actually. I mean, um, David Crook, who is a listener of ours, wondered if it would take anything away from Michael, uh, Mal- Malcolm Perry, excuse me, because they're very much similar plays in terms of being quarterbacks in a previous um, role. Uh, also, with regards to them being rookies. Um, gadget type players so I just wondered if there was any emphasis around taking that take being taken away from from Malcolm Perry I mean they're very much um going to form part of the roster and 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 provide that mystery around what they're actually going to do if they get the football on the field um so there's that um and also with regards to um the quarterback position at depth, we've got Tua and Fitz, who are the only ones on the roster. And as I said, with with Bowden and Perry actually both being former quarterbacks in teams, um, maybe that also factored into Rosen being released if they know that they can call on in an emergency case only, of course, either of, of these two guys. I think it's super interesting with Bowden that, like you say, that the Raiders were willing to give up on him so, so soon. But by all reports, the Dolphins have intentions to play him as a wide receiver and the Raiders brought him in to try him as a running back. And I wonder if it, it was a case of square peg, round hole. And they just, actually, this isn't going to work for what we want. We don't want you as a receiver. We wanted a running back. And that's why they're willing to move on. 
Yeah, for sure. And I saw, I also saw some reports as well, which had been like a source from the Raiders or anything saying they were worried about um, his kind of like lifestyle he'd taken to in Vegas, etc. as well. But he's obviously come out and, and uh, denied that. So, yeah, I mean, it, you can only judge, a, only judge a player based on uh, like what his most recent production is, can't you? And it'd be really interesting to see what he does for us. I, I genuinely think he could be that kind of uh, slot receiver if if needed as well. Um, like you watched any of Ken, uh, any of his, his tape at Kentucky, he's just so versatile and like and really knows where to uh, hit the, hit the crevices when running and, and but also like really safe hands as well. So yeah, really interesting player. And I don't think like I don't really think we've had one of those kind of all rounders. Uh, before with like under Adam Gaze, we tried a lot of dink and dunk sort of offense, but um, yeah, just just bring something a bit different, and, and obviously Perry's there as well. So between the two of them, I'm not sure defensive coordinators will know what to prepare for. Go on, Sike, here we go. Come in. Yeah, I was just saying it's interesting you mentioned about the the reports coming out about his lifestyle in in Vegas. I mean, I also read that um, he was very much highly regarded in terms of his leadership at college. So that kind of contradicts the reports that are coming out about his lifestyle a little bit, I think. So um, so hopefully we'll get we'll get the latter and we'll get that leadership in, in the locker room. Yeah. We'll soon find out on South Beach. <laughs> That's it. Those source briefings always tend to be something to like cover up. The, like, I mean, they're probably defending the Raiders, like having moved on sort of thing, aren't they? And given some kind of excuse. So fingers crossed that was uh, all it was really. Um, yeah, any any kind of other moves that you, you didn't see coming? I see, I, I think a couple of the young wide receivers, uh, Kirk Merritt and, and Cole, were kind of released as well. But you can see them coming back on the practice squad as well. I can't you to be honest? And and uh, I don't think many other of our other players have been claimed. Although I did see, uh, I think Shaq Calhoun's been claimed after he was cut as well. So yeah, we should have quite a fairly solid uh, practice squad. Um, Lee, any any other kind of like final thoughts on on that, mate? Um, to be honest, it's it's not so much a, a thought about the cuts, but it was an interesting thought um, about the quarterbacks. Um, it's super interesting that at the start of this whole process, it, the team were very clear about this being an open competition and that everyone was going to get their chance. And everything in my head says there's no way Tua starts week one. There's no way Tua starts week one. They've not come out and said Fitzpatrick's definitely the starter where, where other teams have been doing that. And the reason I say this, I don't think it's going to happen, but I just, the nagging thought in my mind is, does Brian Flores want to throw a lefty at Bill Belichick week one? I, I, I mean, they've tried, they've done it before. We know um, Bill Belichick likes to do it with left-footed um, kickers and punters. And I, I'm completely spitballing, so feel free to call me an idiot, but They've not come out and said it, and we're a week out, and everyone expects it to be Fitzpatrick. So if they'd said it, no one would have been surprised. It just surprised me that they've not said anything. Now they've cut Rosen, which says they're way more comfortable with Tua than even we probably thought two weeks ago. Don't know. I'm just putting it out there. So if Tua starts week one, then you heard it here first from me. <laughs> that's right. And, and if he doesn't, I probably won't be here week two, so that's fine. <laughs> But uh, I mean, it's uh, it's completely viable, isn't it? Anything goes at the moment. You can definitely see it. I can even see him coming in for like the old series as well, and just being mixed in there if we're trying to if we're struggling or, or anything to you know to get the ball moving early. But uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, all eyes peeled, and we'll and we'll no doubt be uh, well. We literally will see it in this time next week, won't we? So. Yeah, just uh, like I trailed earlier, we've got like a special guest today as well. So uh, Lewis Sung is just uh, started to join us. So yeah, we had a quick chat with him earlier. Um, 
yeah, really interesting. Lots of uh, takes on the different aspects of the Dolphins roster. And we really hope you enjoy the interview. So here it is. Right, guys. Yeah, as promised, we're, we're joined by uh, Lewis Sung, who's our uh, like guest for the day, um, as we preview the season, basically. Um, Lewis is owner of uh, Finn Maniacs and voice of the Dolphins Brawl and all-round kind of Dolphins Twitter personality. So really good to have you with us, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and it's an honor to be with you guys. I'm glad that I can be part of this uh, up-and-coming Dolphins UK podcast. I'm glad to be a, a new voice for a new audience, so to speak. We like to hear nice one. Um, well, I guess we'll like just like, have a chat through today. Some, some, uh, like, everything about the Dolphins basically before the season kicks off, and yeah, see where the conversation goes. And uh, yeah, it'd be good to, to get your thoughts on all manner of things. So, thought we'd kick us off. Um, you know, we've been looking at the kind of um, positional transition from last season to this season in previous episodes, and kind of looking at what constitutes kind of success for the season. So. I mean, what, what sort of thing do you think, like, if we sat here in six months' time, what will we have seen if we to, like, to call the season a success? I think for this season, this is one of those things where, depending on who you are and depending on what your mindset is, the success of the season depends on two things. One, how many wins did you get? And two, how well did the development of the players go? And depending on your point of view for the season, the, the balance between the two regarding whether it's a success or a failure is going to be different now for me my personal thought is that this is another one of those tryout seasons I never believed that the Dolphins were supposed to be expected to be in contention in 2020 my expectations were always that 2021 was the year that was my constant motivation to keep Tua just basically just sit him his sit his butt down on the bench and just let him I, I, I'm sure that he's healthy I'm sure all that stuff is wonderful good for him I don't care sit him down anyway, let him watch and learn behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. And uh, although I think that now it's going to be a little bit different because it's pretty obvious that with the cut of Josh Rosen recently, now all of a sudden Tua is the backup quarterback and there is no uh, Josh Rosen waiting to wait in the wings and let Tua heal. So now it's Ryan, Tua, and uh, I guess either Malcolm Perry or Lynn Bowden. So uh, all of a sudden we have like, technically speaking, four different quarterbacks on the roster all at once. But anyway, I digress. So for me, development is going to be the key role here. Basically 2019 all over again. How well does this team mesh together? Because this is going to be the core of the team moving forward into the next decade or so. So we, at least we hope so anyway. So how well does the players develop? How well do they work together? How well does the culture of the team being fostered in by Brian Flores actually come together and mesh? Because none of this stuff matters if the, the players decide that, oh, well, I'm not going to get on board with the program, which I've seen no signs that anything like that is going to happen. And none of this stuff matters if the players don't develop because then we're going to have to be back to square one. How well you draft, how well you develop is ultimately what's going to decide the Dolphins' future for the next several years or so. That's kind of always been the main goal. So if the Dolphins win like seven, eight, nine, heck, even 10 games. I don't know. I honestly don't know right now because the way that the world is, it's just kind of like anything could happen at this point. <clears throat> like it's basically a lottery. Like did anybody catch COVID? Are they going to have to sit down their star player because they're in quarantine or whatever? You just never know at this point. So anything could happen as far as the wins go. But what I want to see more than anything is I want to see players develop. I want to see reports of, oh, two is doing well and two is doing this. And is he doing well? While he's practicing, if he gets a chance to play, how well does he adjust to that? I want to see if Austin Jackson's uh, apparently uh, 
marveling reports at a training camp. He's apparently doing the best job you could ever hope for Austin Jackson, which that's, that's great. That's fantastic. I love it. And Solomon Kinley apparently is a beast just mauling everybody. And I called that Kinley would be the starter at right guard. It looks like I'm going to be right on that one. Robert Hunt is, let's be clear, just because Hunt isn't wowing anybody doesn't mean he's doing bad. I just don't, we don't know what's going to happen out of that. Because again, people are saying that he's a guard too, but they put him in tackle. That's another story. How does Ted Karras do? Are we going to retain him for the future? Because right now it's a one-year prove-it deal. My guess is new. My guess is they'll draft somebody coming up next season, which I'm okay with. But I want to see how well they do. And of course, I want to see what these young guys at wide receiver can do. I want to see continued development from Preston Williams. I want to see him catch the ball. That's what I want to see him do. I want to see him catch the ball. That's like the one, the one thing with him. Just make sure you catch the doggone ball, please. Do not drop the ball everywhere. Same thing goes for Jakeem Grant when you think about it. There's a lot of really talented receivers who just don't know how to receive, apparently. <laughs> so that, that's like a, that's a problem. Uh, and what I want to see more of is further, again, further development from Gesicki, further development from Preston Williams. I want to see Parker not fall back into old Parker and keep this new Parker mentality. And I really want to see Xavier Howard make it through one season. That, that, that's what I really want to see. I really want to see Xavier Howard make it through the season. That would be spectacular. Old prediction there. Yeah, that, that's, I know. That's a, I'm, I'm not predicting. I'm actually predicting he's going to get hurt. <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> predicting. He's going to get hurt somewhere down the line. Like week five, I'm thinking, oh, something's going to break down. But I, I, for, the, for the time being, I'm going to enjoy the Byron jones Xavier Howard matchup. And, but you know what? Even if it doesn't work out that way, if push comes to shove, we're being told that Noah Igbenogany is doing fantastic in training camp. So as far as I'm concerned, Dolphins seem set. They just need to put all the pieces together and make sure that these kids reach their full potential because they already have potential. Now they just got to get there. That's what I want to see for this season. If they can do that, it was a success regardless of their record. Yeah. I just want to pick up on a couple of things you said there, actually. One you mentioned around right at the top of, uh, earlier on you said about um, development I and mean, it's something that we we talked about in a previous show around the offensive line development and what constitutes a, a good season for that unit and and we rather than um talking about wins we very much put the emphasis around development and gelling as a unit and things like um protecting the quarterback as well um so very much um thinking along the same lines as you as yourself there the other thing, couple of things I wanted to also mention about, we've clearly now got Tua as the backup. And right early on in our very first show, we talked about is there, what are the scenarios where Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the starter? And one of the things we mentioned is if there was a COVID-related issue with him, or any, uh, which is obviously uh, an ongoing factor, what would your thoughts be around if something did happen and, and Tua was thrown in there? Um, uh, would you would you see that as an important step of his development? I would, but it would make me nervous as I'll get out because again, like I I still don't know how well this offensive line is going to do. I hear good things about Austin Jackson. I hear good things about Solomon Kinley. I hear okay things about Robert Hunt. I, who's even been practicing at left guard? I haven't been able to go to training camp this year for obvious reasons, but like, who's even at left guard right now? Do what? What? Who's being projected right Eric there? Flowers, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Flowers. That's right. I keep forgetting about him. He's like the only, <laughs> he's like the most forgettable free agent we have, and he's like supposed to be the starting left guard. I, I maybe it's because I don't trust him, and my brain just keeps trying to forget that he's even there. So 
we'll 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 see what happens with that. But again, this is why I wanted Tua to sit on the bench, and why I'm I, honestly I'm not happy with the cutting of Rosen. Like, I if you if you couldn't get anything for him in trade, fine. If you wanted to do right by him, good for you. Shows integrity. I appreciate it. But at the same time, it's just like you're basically putting it now on Tua. If anything happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick now. It's going to be tour or bust. And right now, I don't trust this offensive line to protect them. My, my, this is, Simon, you brought this up for uh, what the expectations are. This is my baseline for the offensive line for the Dolphins. As long as nobody dies back there, that's an improvement. <laughs> that's exactly what it, I said last week. As long as no one gets killed, that's an improvement on before. Just exactly. to, Correct. Just to um, digress very slightly, hot off the press, breaking news. Josh Rosen is being signed to the practice squad of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, see, I thought they would be the perfect trade partner for him, personally. But that that was a conversation I had with somebody else. (laughs) Didn't the Bucs have a trade offer for him? If I feel like I've heard that they wanted to discuss it i'm not sure but it anyway it doesn't surprise me in the slightest it's just not it just didn't happen in the place that i thought it would be josh rosen being the tom brady protege like we all had this sneaking suspicion that something that would happen i just thought it would happen in new england not in uh, tampa bay <laughs> yeah. but whatever that's fine it's it's a uh, whatever okay so no more josh rosen um well i mean Technically, if you think about, okay, so if I'm not mistaken, the way the practice squad works is that you can sign players off people's practice squads if they decide they want to. However, they actually have to be on the active roster. So if something happened to Fitzpatrick, there is still the possibility that they could go snag Rosen and just kind of bring him back. as like, hey, uh, we just lost our guy. You want to come back for a little while? I don't think that's what will happen. Let me be very clear. I don't think that will happen. I think Tua will be the backup. But if push came to shove, it wouldn't be that difficult to grab Rosen again. And if he stays on the practice squad over there and just kind of be there the third, at least just to have some kind of backup, because all due respect to Lynn Bowden and Malcolm Perry. I don't want them as my backup quarterback. Like they're, they're my gadget wildcat uh, mess around with the heads of the other team quarterback, not my actual quarterback that I want throwing the football. I'll taste some Hill, which by he, by the way, he's not very good at throwing the football either. That is not. <laughs> it's not. I, I, to be honest, I know it, that he was cut earlier, but a personal favourite of mine. I'd love to see Matt Moore come back. If you need a third oh. quarterback, phone Matt Moore. I, I'd love to see him just hurl it down the field. That's great. It, can he hurl it anywhere anymore? <laughs> like for real? That last time I saw Matt Moore in a Dolphins uniform, that arm was fried, and he wasn't even doing that much. He 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 didn't play bad during relief of Patrick Mahomes. How long it had been? Since okay, played, that's a good, that's a good team. But I didn't yeah, need to get like, through one week. But like it didn't. It's like as long as you and mind you, he still got beat out by who was it? Oh yeah, the other, <laughs> the other Dolphins quarterback who didn't live up to expectations. And here we thought Matt Moore was better than Chad Henney. Uh, I guess not. I guess. But let me let me put it this way. I think as a quarterback, Matt Moore is better than Chad Henney. But Chad Henney's arm still works. <laughs> that's that's the difference. I think that's going to be the ultimate decision. I think that was my, what might have had to do with it. It's just Matt Moore is a gunslinger with no gun left. He just sling it. He just slings it. That's it. So, uh, um, go on, go on. So, so do we think that the release of Rosen is more based on Rosen's play or the health of Tua? <sighs> well, reports, 
from, and I'm, I don't want to say reports from the Dolphins because that's obvious PR work. But according yeah. to what the report, according to what our beat writers say, I wish I could have seen, been there myself to see it. But according to them, they were supposedly Rosen was doing pretty good. Not nothing spectacular, but nothing, but not not bad either. Which again results to a big nothing when it comes right down to it. But just nothing spectacular. So okay, fine. But he was still a quarterback. I figured somebody would have wanted him. So I guess it would really have more to do with the health of Tua, which again is fine. I'm happy with that. I'm glad to hear that Tua is doing well. I'm glad to hear reports that he's mobile. He's moving around the pocket. He doesn't seem like he's in any pain. Doesn't look like anything's hitching. That's all wonderful. That's all best case scenario that it could have turned out to be. Again, that being said, though, I really hope Ryan Fitzpatrick plays out the whole season because I don't want to throw him out there before 2021. And we know for a fact what we're going to have on offensive line. And if we're going to have to do even more improvements or if we can stand pat with what we've got. Not that we're not going to try and improve in anyway, but I digress. Would you throw Tua in at the end of the season? Say the playoffs are out of reach, for example. Um, the Dolphins have got nothing to play for. Would, would you follow a similar model to what the Chiefs did with Mahomes and, and put Tua in for a game or two at the end of the season? That all depends on the offensive line. All depends. Every, every, every Tua concern that I have hinges on that offensive line. Because let's be, if you really, you know, we talk about the awesomeness of Dan Marino and this and that. If I'm not mistaken, and mind you, this was before my time when Marino was in his prime. Marino always had a pretty solid offensive line, I would say. He didn't have to necessarily run for his life and desperately try to avoid getting sacked all the time like Fitzpatrick. He was the, lead, he was the team's leading rusher, not by design. It was by just because that's <laughs> how it happened because he was always having to take off. But, and I think even Dan Marino would have had a problem with last year's line. So it's, that's, that's for me, I'm not putting two out there unless that line proves itself over the course of the season to be solid because if I'm going to be scared that he's going to be getting, he could potentially get hurt. And not only that, especially in games that mean nothing, especially in games that mean nothing. If there's a chance he's going to get killed, then I'm absolutely not going to throw him out there. In that case, I rather would have Malcolm Perry or Lynn Bowden play quarterback because at least with them, you, you know, I mean, you lose a gadget, but you don't lose much. Your, your whole future is not at risk at that point. Talking of risk, one thing that you mentioned earlier is that you'd like to see Preston Williams catch the ball more. Does that include punts? No. <laughs> In Bowden's here. Put him out there. Tell Williams, like, sorry, dude, your time's over. Bye-bye. You can go now. Go play wide receiver like you're supposed to. And that's what, one of the things we talked about in recent weeks was, like, what, what we're kind of expecting to see from Williams this year and uh, – is he going to be the guy in Miami further down the line? I mean, what's your take? Is, is he going to be, you know, is he going to replace Parker as a wide receiver one or are we going to invest in the future? That sort of thing. What, what do you reckon? At this point, it, it all, again, it all depends on what we see for this season. This season is going to tell a lot about the future of the Dolphins, not just because of the development standpoint, but because of who we already have here. If Parker can continue his... If Parker can continue his development, if Parker can continue to prove that, okay, I finally figured it out all in my brain hole that I know what I'm doing now. It's like, okay, good. Do that. Do what the, you were supposed to do in Louisville, except five years later. But that's okay, whatever. We're not going to be, as long as you, it's, all, it's a what have you done for me lately, Lee? We don't care about the last four years if you can keep doing what you've been doing. So as long as he can keep doing that, I think Parker will be number one. Williams adds an extra bit of that because I think Williams still has to prove more because there's no doubt about his talent. None. He just needs to hold on to the football. He stopped dropping it. That's the biggest issue for me. So if he can hold on to the football, him and Parker would be a fantastic group. I don't think Williams is going to be the, the X receiver, if you will. I don't think he'll be the number one guy that will probably stay with Parker, 
Now, that being said, with Tua in the game, I would expect a lot more work in the slot with some people call him like the slant master. And he's like, he's the guy who just only throws slants, only throws slants, only throws slants. I'm not going to go that far, but he does throw a lot of slants. So in that case, honestly, if Tua had been around, if Tua had been the quarterback when Jarvis Landry had been around, could you imagine what that would have been like? Could you imagine? Cause Jarvis Landry was the best slot receiver. Like we've had in a very long time. And Tua as the quarterback, that would have been, mm. It was something we mentioned a few weeks ago. If you could trade for anyone on any team. And we said we'd love to have Jarvis back for right exactly now? that yeah, reason. Right now. Jarvis, and, yeah. and, and to be honest, it was the same with, you know, the level of disappointment when Albert Wilson opted out. Completely understand why he got no problem with it. But we'd love to have seen him in, in the slot with, with Tua. Well, that's okay. We already got his replacement. Replacements, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Who, who did they just pick up off of waivers? What's his name? Uh, Jason something or other. Oh, uh, yeah. Smith or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's supposedly a really fast guy. He can play in the slot. Good. Lynn Bowden, very explosive player. Good. Uh, again. And then, of course, you have Malcolm Perry. Good, 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 good. All these potential slot guys. And, of course, Jakeem Grant. My uh, my co-host, you all know him well, Chad Ronnebaum. He, he, uh, he's not convinced that Jakeem Grant can play in the slot, that he's going to get bruised and beat up and hammered in the slot. Honestly, I would understand that if he was built like Malcolm Perry. If you've seen Malcolm Perry, you've seen he's a, he's a skinny dude. He's not a big dude. Jakeem Grant's short, but he's built like a brick house. He's like a square. He's like a really fast square running down the field. So I'm not con- I'm not concerned about Grant getting clobbered. It's not like he's a frail dude. He he got hurt because he was running down the field and he tore his Achilles. That's that's a freak accident, not a uh, oh I got hurt too hard. I got hit too hard kind of injury. So. I'm not convinced about Grant taking hits. He's his body is pretty he's he's pretty solid built. So I'm not con, I'm not worried about him getting hurt. It's just that two is going to have to be a little extra accurate because it's a small target. That's all. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and then moving to that kind of the other side of the ball as well. Do you, do you think we're in a kind of I mean from the free agent additions and stuff? Do you think we're in like almost in the in the kind of shape that Flores wants it to be in eventually with the kind of like you've got a couple of big names and that sort of things, and it just seems to be a bit more complete than the than the offense. But what, what's your take on that? I wouldn't say that the team has a bunch of big names. I would. I mean, if you call if you consider Kyle Van Noy a big name, fine. <laughs> Byron Jones is probably the biggest free agent acquisition for the Dolphins, and on, ironically enough, once again, the biggest name free agency acquisition is kind of the one being the most disappointing. Not that he's been bad, but it's just that he hasn't been wowing anybody. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of the point. That's always been Byron Jones's MO. He's not a playmaker. He's just the guy who's going to blanket you and make you suffer. That's kind of his, his thing. So if he can, as long as he can do that, fine. But we just haven't heard anything wow worthy from him. But I would say that that's, if that's what Flores wants and he wants to develop players, that's very New England of him. If you think, look back on the New England years, he's been there for a long time before he came to Miami. New England was never the big name landing spot. There were always a few exceptions. Randy Moss was there for a little while, and that worked out pretty well for Brady. Chad Ochocinco, at least that's what he called himself at the time. He was there. That didn't work out, so oh well. So watch for that. Um, I'm trying to think of who other, what other big names were in New England. I, uh, briefly for like one week, Antonio Brown, who, by the way, he wrecked us for one week and then got cut <laughs> right after that. Albert so, Hainsworth was there briefly after, after his terrible stint in Washington after getting paid. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and nobody's, nobody's heard from him. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> they, build their, they built their own big names. Vince Wilfork, I always called him the human bowling ball because that's what he looked like. He was literally a human bowling ball. I always thought he weighed more than he actually did according to what the, his, uh, his official measurements were because he's always like, this dude has to weigh more than that. Look at him. Like, <laughs> but, but they built their own big names. They made their own big names. So if that's, that's essentially what the Dolphins want to do, then I'm perfectly fine with it. I don't like... I've learned from the past that just signing all these big names doesn't work. The Indomitian Sioux experiment. I mean, not that Sioux was bad, but he didn't have a lasting impact. Uh, you got Byron Maxwell that he was supposedly really good with Seattle. And then with the Philadelphia, it wasn't quite as good, but he came to Miami was eh, all right. And we know that Brandon Albert was okay when he was healthy, but when he wasn't healthy, which was a lot of the time, nope, no good there. So, and of course, the, the, the insufferable attempts at finding a tight end all failed miserably. Dustin Keller, Jordan Cameron, uh, Julius Thomas, just good Lord almighty. It just didn't work at all. So I've reached a point where I'll take a few pieces here and there where we know for a fact it's going to be a massive upgrade because on paper, Byron Jones is way better than Nick Needham. There's no questions about that whatsoever. Now, whether Nick Needham continues to develop or not, and Noe Benogany continues to develop, maybe that'll change. We'll see what happens. Because if they turn out to be studs in the making, maybe we can actually get some extra trade capital out of one of those guys. So we'll see. But my personal thoughts right now is do what they're continuing to do. Build to the draft, develop their players, and if they start to get too expensive, somebody else will take them. I'm sure they will. Greg Greer has shown that he is willing to wheel and deal whenever he can. So if a team expresses interest in somebody and they have somebody up and coming to take that spot, then I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to get some first, second, third rounders out of these guys. And that would be fine by me as long as they can keep developing new talent. That's it. That's what Lee's been saying in like recent weeks. It's just been kind of like having, they're not that bothered about the guy as long as like people are, you know, it's a good solid and it just, you don't have to have the star factor. You can just turn up and, and play well. And that's exactly what Flores is after. And I mean, just going to Flores himself now, I mean, what, what do you kind of, I mean, looking back two years ago, uh, obviously with a, a certain coach who's now in New York and, and now uh, Flores, I mean, what, what, I mean, it's quite, uh, for me, it's quite obvious, but what, what do you think the difference is in the culture and what, what's like, <laughs> that's it, as we, as we see you uh, perfectly impersonating him. <laughs> um, but, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say something? There was like a taco really going across the screen there. <laughs> but, but what's the difference? And kind of like, I mean, obviously we're all delighted to have Flores and, and, and actually it probably panned out better than most of us thought after game one. But, you know, what, what's, what's different and what have we got to be excited about going forward? So I'll say this, in many ways, Gase and Flores actually do have some similarities. They're both very confident in themselves. The difference is, is that with Flores, it's just confidence. With Gase, it just boils into arrogance. He knows everything, and if you question him, then you don't deserve to be on this football team. Jamal Adams wanted out so bad, it was not even funny how badly he wanted out. And I'm pretty sure Le'Veon Bell has indicated that he's not exactly a fan of this whole thing because he's not going to get the touches that he wants. Because he didn't even Pittsburgh, where he was the star, he still felt like he wasn't getting enough touches, if I'm not mistaken. That's the same uh, situation that it was with Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi felt like he needed the ball more. It's like, you're already getting the ball like 90% of the time. What more do you want exactly? Are you just trying to argue with Gase? Which, and at the time, we took Gase's side over Ajayi. 
And, well, I guess now we can say they were both wrong because Ajayi's got nothing left in his knee and Gase is, well, he's Gase. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people at work who are New York fans, and, I, and, I, and basically I go with them, I, we warned you, didn't we? We warned you about this. <laughs> and it's like, like <sighs> we were right. Yes, we were right. Enjoy Adam Gase because, uh, ay, ay, ay. Flores is confident. He's humble. He's smart. He knows, he knows how to do he's, – he's coached the whole spectrum. He's coached the whole spectrum. He's coached offense. He's coached defense. He's coached positions. He's coached he's – done, he's done pretty much all of it at some point. The only thing he hasn't done is be an offensive coordinator at this point. So – but ironically enough, that's the one thing that Adam Gase has been his entire career, except he's – Gase has been QB coach and offensive coordinator. He sucked at both. The only reason he got anything at all – and I, I wish we had seen this coming before because all we heard was Peyton Manning loves him and we just got starry-eyed because Peyton Manning said he loves Adam Gase. Really, Peyton loves Adam Gase? Why is that? I still don't know. Why is that? <laughs> I don't understand. It's because Gase let Peyton do whatever he wanted, which is, if you think about it, it's a very distinct possibility because Peyton can do whatever he wants. He's Peyton Manning. The same way that Tom Brady can pretty much do whatever he wants. He's Tom Brady. Like if, if Brady goes over to McDaniels and says, I'm going to do this, what's McDaniels going to do? Say no. What are you going to do? To what are you going to tell Tom Brady? No, please give me a break. It's like, so uh, with, with Flores, there's actually a chance at building relationships with these players. He's actually a player's coach. Everybody thought Gase was a player's coach. He said he, could, he claimed to be one. He's not a player's coach. I don't think he's anybody's coach. <laughs> so so that's the big difference. And I think it's night and day between the two, but they are similar in some ways, but in other ways where it counts, they are so different that you can't even fathom how else to put it. So the dolphins hit a home run. I honestly didn't think that they would hit a home run. I honestly, at the time I wanted somebody like Vic Fangio. I wanted somebody like that. Who's like been a, a gristled long time defensive coordinator who knows everything there is to know about defense. And he's been a top 10 defense coach for a very long time and blah, 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 blah. I thought that Brian Flores, I didn't believe in Flores at first because it's like, Oh, he's been a coordinator for one year and everybody knows it's Bill Belichick's defense anyway. Like what does Flores even do? I've never been more happy to be wrong because that on top of the whole Patriots coaches of assistance of Belichick don't turn out good uh, philosophy. I thought it was going to bust after one or two years. It looks like it's been the exact opposite. So I couldn't be happier to be wrong. Solid. And, and do you think kind of, like, you obviously said it, but we're obviously going in the right direction, but I mean, do you think it, it do you think it's got all the hallmarks of like going even further? Are we, we going to be pushing for, you know, like championship games and stuff in, in the next coming seasons? I know it's all kind of like feels like a pipe dream and an over prediction now, but basically do you think we're on the, on the right track for that? We're on the right track to doing, being good. Are we on the right track to championship? Well, that comes, that's the step after being good. Usually, what I, and I hate to admit this because it's like I've always been the proponent of the quarterback is just another piece of the team, but let's be real about something. Unless Tua pans out, the answer is no. Unless Tua pans out, the answer is no. So you need to have a really good quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl nine times out of 10. There's always that outlier. You have the Trent Dilfers of the world. You have the Joe Flacco's of the world. You have the Colin Kaepernick's of the world. And they make it to the Super Bowl. Do they win? Not, not always, but they get there. And it's always been because of the team, though, not because they themselves were good. Most teams that make it to the Super Bowl, you think about the teams who have won in the past few years. With it was The quarterbacks were like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, 
P- Tom Brady. Tom Tom Brady. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes was there once. Oh, Tom Brady. So, but it's it, that's the same mentality. You have to have a pretty pretty good at least top ten ish quarterback in order to consistently have a shot at making it to the Super Bowl. You're always going to have those outliers every once in a while because the defense is just that amazing. Usually when teams make it and they don't have a great quarterback, it's because their defense is just that amazing. But I don't know. We'll have to, again, we have to see how it all pans out. I don't like making predictions until I see the product on the field. We've had so many years where the roster on paper gets us all excited because we got this guy and we got this guy and we got this guy and we have this coach and we have this assistant and we have this uh, plan in mind. And then as soon as the season happens, (gasps) nothing. Big, fat, nothing. So it's like we got ourselves hyped up for nothing. So I have to see it before I believe it. And that goes for Tua. That goes for the line. That goes for the receivers. It goes for everything because I refuse to let myself get excited and get myself shut down again. My heart can't take any more of this. That leads quite nicely into the one of the last things we wanted to ask you about, actually. You mentioned about championship hopes now and in the future very much depend on, on how Tua pans out. But from and this question could be taken two ways, either in the short term or the long term. But can you name one key player on offense and one key player on on defense? As far as far as now, where you're talking about the future, which one do you want? I can give um, you both. But give us both, I think, because right. the answers make the answers I suspect are going to be potentially different. All right. So short term, short term person is going to be really important going forward for the Dolphins on offense. Um, if for the short term, I would have to say it would be something along the lines of Robert Hunt or somebody of whoever's playing right tackle because considering that Tua is expected to be the guy in 2021, at least going forward, I would think that you need to have somebody to cover Tua's blind side because as a left-handed quarterback, it's the opposite. So Hunt is actually the most important guy on that offensive line all of a sudden. So depending on how he pans out, he's going to make a big difference on how the Dolphins do in the short term. As far as the long term is concerned, then yeah, it's Tua. Obviously, there's no other there's no other answer for that other than Tua. Because if Tua does well, then he's the quarterback for the next decade, and we've got our franchise quarterback. If not, then we need to continue to look elsewhere. And there will be more quarterbacks coming out. Believe me, there will there will every year. There's always that one guy that everybody wants to uh, hype up as a transcendental quarterback, the guy who's gonna be the next. Uh, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, all these guys, all these Joe Montanas of the world's like, or I guess now they're going to try to say, oh, maybe he's the next Lamar Jackson, maybe, but, or the next Patrick Mahomes. That's the new, that's the one that they do a lot. The next Patrick Mahomes. That was Jordan Love's uh, hype up. It was the next Patrick Mahomes because he had same, some of those same elements. Uh, I was even saying that if he was getting comparisons to Mahomes, we should look at him, but. It's, it's amazing. But every time you get around to, dr- to draft time, it's always there's a guy that you can't miss. He he he's generational every exactly. single year. So, Baker, then, Baker Mayfield was generational. Exactly. Sam Darnold, the best quarterback in the draft. I was like Sam Darnold. <laughs> I think of all the guys they drafted, Rosen and Darnold have been the most disappointing of the bunch. So yeah, eventually you got to say this draft isn't good for quarterbacks. We all, we all know it, but you got to hype it up because it draft season. That's all there is going on. So right. someone every, has every, to be the best. Every season, there's always a few quarterbacks like, this guy's so amazing, so incredible, so fantastic. If you draft him, you're good for the next 10 years. <laughs> uh, ask the Browns how they're feeling about Baker Mayfield right now. I had said I was not convinced, and I got hammered for it. 
on social media for daring to imply that Baker Mayfield rubbed me the wrong way because he had this arrogance factor about him. Well, he does. And so far, it's not working out for Cleveland. So uh, the jury's still out, don't get me wrong. But right now, it looks like I'm the one who's right about this one. So like, I've never liked my quarterbacks to be arrogant people who think that they're better than everybody else. I've hated that from the start because I have always gone with the uh, – not to get too, uh, not to get too uh, spiritual here or whatever, but I've always felt that pride comes before a fall. So if you think of yourself as the best and you act like you're the best and you talk like you're the best – then eventually you're going to stop being the best pretty quick because you, you, if you start believing in your own hype, things start going wrong. That's what Baker Mayfield did, and I don't think it's going to work out for Cleveland. I think they're going to have to cut ties with Baker sooner rather than later. So there's that. Now, as far as now on the defensive side of it, for the short term, I'm definitely going to say that it's going to, for the short term, it's going to be, it's going to be Xavier Howard. Because for the short term, if the Dolphins want to be successful, they need to get more out of Xavier and they need to see that he can actually stay healthy. And if push comes to shove, can they at least push up his stock so that they can trade him if they have to? That's going to be what's what I'm going to be really looking at. For the long term on defense, that's a little trickier because right now the whole, all the pieces are in place and it's hard to tell who's going to be the best one long-term. I guess if you want to call it long-term, I guess I'll go and stay in the cornerback position. I'll say Noah Igbenogany because if Howard leaves at any point, the first one who's going to be called up to bat is going to be Igbenogany, not Nick Needham. So for the long-term, I would have to say Igbenogany is the main guy to look at because as long as we can keep the two cornerback stuff going with Byron Jones and either Howard or Igbenogany, then quarterbacks are going to have a hard time finding a place to throw the football. So I need to see more. I need to see, I need to see how the cornerbacks turn out this season. That's what I'm going to be looking at on defense the most. Now I would like to see the dolphins get some pass rushers in there. Like I know Kyle, I know they're going to try to generate pass rush. The whole, we're going to generate pass rush instead of have pure pass rushers. Like, okay, that's fine. I, I guess I kind of see the mentality. You just kind of blitz here and there. You send Kyle Van Noyes an outside linebacker, all that stuff. That's fine, but I would like to see the Dolphins get some more actual pass rushers in there just because I, I, if you can't pressure the quarterback in the NFL, it's not going to turn out good for you. I don't care how good your secondary is. You've got to put some pressure on people. I got, I'm so glad that you, you said no on the, you know, as a player going forwards because I just think it, if the coaching staff are as good as we, we want to believe they are, we'll see the progress out of Noah that will make Xavier Howard expendable, and then you can trade him. And, and, and it's great Not that I it, want to, not that it, I want to mind you, but no, no, he's a great player, but you know, he, he'll be more valuable to trade at that point, bearing in mind his contract. If Noah comes on the way we believe he is, or the, we expect him to with the reports out camp. So that's what I'm looking forward is I need to see what Igbenogany can do. And he will get time to play. I'm sure he will with the way that the Dolphins want to run their defense, nickel dime, maybe even some quarters defense coming, coming down the future. I imagine that all of those corners and safeties are going to get an opportunity to prove what they've got waiting in the wings. And I'm hoping that either, and, and I love, I love, I love, I'm about to bring him up because mind you, I love him, but either Bobby needs to move back to the slot 
or he needs to get out because he's not a safety. He's not a safety. I don't know. That's the one thing about this coaching staff that I just don't understand. Why are you put, why did you keep continue to put Bobby McCain at free safety? Knowing he's not a safe. He's not a safety. We, he was awful. Awful. I don't understand the mentality. That's the one thing about this coaching staff that I've been like, okay, I guess everybody has to have their own dumb, dumb moment. I guess with Bobby McCain at safety, that's theirs. And they're just not backing down from it. I mean, it, it can, you can understand why they tried it the same way they tried it with Eric Rowe, but you have to admit at some point, okay, that's not a good idea. Let's just put him back where he was. That's where he made his money. Bobby McCain is a slot corner. That's where he made his money. That's where he's best. I don't see why they keep trying to put him back there at safety. Just put Bobby, in, put Bobby back in the slot where he was good. He was actually good. And go find yourself a safety. Seriously, their safety's dropping out like flies on the free agent market. Just go grab one. It's not, it can't be that hard. That's it, man. And well, I think we're slightly coming towards uh, the end here. So we just wanted to get two very quick predictions from you uh, before we uh, before we do wrap up. Uh, first is like overall record for the season. What do you think is realistic? And then second, um, if it all goes as you alluded to earlier and Tua kind of sits for the season, who do you think is going to be the most impactful rookie on the team this year apart from Tua? Okay, so overall record, realistically speaking, eight and eight. Well, no, wait, no, no, yes, it's still eight and eight. They, uh, I'm trying to remember when they put in the extra games for upcoming. It's, that's next season, right? Next season. Yeah, next yeah. season is when they – so next season, I guess, nine and eight. This season, eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if, next season, it's, if next season it's nine and eight, then I'm, we're going to say that, oops, something went wrong. <laughs> but anyway, um, so for this season, I would say eight and eight would be realistic. I don't expect it to get that good because there's going to be growing pains. There just is. But I'm okay with that because, again, this season is not the season to look forward to. This is another tryout season to see how everything meshes together, and I'm good with that. Um, most impactful rookie besides Tua, since he's not going to be playing much this year, hopefully. Um, I would say the most impactful rookie. I'm going to, I'm, you know what, I'm going to throw a wild card out there. I'm going to say Solomon Kinley. I'm going to say yeah, Solomon Kinley because Austin Jackson, for as good as he's supposedly turning out to be, he's for Tua, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's probably going to be the most impactful. But if we're thinking in terms of long-term Tua, then he's not going to be the most impactful because he's, that's, that's not Tua's blind side. So I would say Solomon Kinley because we have had so many issues with our guards over the years. We've kind of managed to, to manage the tackle position over the years. We've had Brandon Albert in there for a little while. Jawan James was in there. They were okay. Then you would have this guy in there. You had Laramie Tunsil left tackle. Okay. It's not bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. But the guards just consistently every year, just, just awful, just awful. So for me, Solomon Kinley's development is going to be the biggest thing for me as far as most impactful rookie. He needs to prove that his mauling tendencies can open up holes for Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and maybe Malcolm Perry. I'm not sure at this point. We'll see what they decide on that front. But I need to see something out of Solomon Kinley to prove that the guard, at least one guard position is fully taken care of because I'm really getting tired of them getting beat up through the middle and suddenly quarterbacks find themselves with a massive monster in their face and they can't throw the football. They just have to take off and run with it. I'm, I'm tired of seeing that. Awesome. Well, yeah, there we go. We'll hold you to them at the end of the season. Hopefully you'll come back on and join us. We can review it all, review it all then. Um, guys, anything else from you before we wrap up? 
No, I was just going to say it's a pleasure to have you on, mate. It's uh, you're more than welcome to come back on on the show anytime. It's good to have your thoughts, and uh, yeah, we'll welcome you back on the show certainly again in the future. I'm sure. Well, it sounds good, man. Just uh, we, the only thing is that we got to make sure that we can find some times and stuff. I'll be uh, as soon as September 30th rolls around because that's when my other job finally the contract runs out. So I'll be more available after that. But uh, but <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome, um, it's awesome to have you on after hearing you on, on different podcasts that you know. I listen to personally it's, it's cool to be able to have you on and talk dolphins with you no it's my pleasure and you guys can call on me whenever you like I'll try to I'll, I'll let you know what my schedule is and I'll be more than happy to hop on there I'll find a find I'll find a way to get some time excellent well thanks Lewis much appreciated yeah nice one and everyone's probably already following you but uh, if not at Lewis D Sung on Twitter and yeah we'll give you obviously give us a plug on there and, and yeah thanks a lot man really appreciate you coming on it's been my pleasure you guys have a great one all right, thanks, Cheers. Right, that was uh, that was our interview with Lewis. Um, any thoughts, guys? It was uh, obviously really good to have him on board, and, and hopefully we we'll have more guests coming up shortly. But any kind of takeaways from what he was saying, Sai? Yeah, I really liked him on. Actually, he's he's full of his opinions, and they're really good opinions as well. And that he certainly knows his stuff, and yeah, it's really good, really good conversation with him. Actually, I look forward to having him on again in another show. Lee, anything from you on, on that, man? Any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I said it in the interview, and I say it again now, it's great to talk to someone that I've listened to and don't always necessarily agree with his takes, but I understand him because he he's able to get his point across. He doesn't need to shower people. He just gets his point across. And that's great. I completely respect that. And I, I've loved listening to his shows, both on the Dolphins Brawl and the Fin... Uh, what was the one before that? Fin Maniacs is that and the, and the Fin Maniacs it's just you know it's it's great to talk to someone you know with that depth of knowledge yeah exactly and hopefully we'll have uh, many more to come but, but yeah that was great and, uh, and I think that'll, that'll we'll leave it there for this week we've got a separate preview show coming up later in the week where the guys are going to run through some of their own predictions and uh, yeah look, look forward to that and, and yeah football's back this week guys time to get a bit excited uh, Si do you want to wrap us up with the normal plug for the uh, Twitter feeds, etc. Yeah, usual plug for this podcast. We're on Twitter at Dolphin UK underscore pod and Dolphin UK fan club are at Dolphin underscore UK. Great. And now we're off to do our uh, fantasy drafts. So obviously I'll be, uh, I'll be winning that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys.